to speak into the life of our church. I feel like he carries, there's so many things that he carries. Uh, in fact, I just, I believe he's actually a father to the city. So Papa Don has graduated to grandfather, says many of you know Don Finto. He's a grandfather now. And Todd is a father, I think, to this city in many ways and has lots to impart. And so uh, he is the executive director of Caleb Company. They have some, a powerful ministry that's uh, meant to impact uh, the global kingdom. Um, and so we're excited about having him here as the, just the director, but more than anything, just as a man who loves Jesus and wants to impart. Would you guys help me welcome up Todd McDowell? Okay. Hallelujah. Well, this, you, I've had the privilege of being able to come to New River years ago when it was meeting in a, um, a theater in Franklin off Murfreesboro Road right down there and actually preached one morning there, and, and I just experienced such a, there's a sweet love in this church that's been here from the very beginning. And um, I remember actually before I moved to Nashville, I came to visit Don thinking would someday we be called as a family to live here, because I knew God had called me to walk with Pastor Don Finto. And so he he wanted to introduce me to his friends, and so I met with different elders and different leaders and different sons, and one of them was um, Michael W., and he just said, I want, you know, this is someone I'm walking with. I want you to meet Michael, and I want Michael to meet you, and, I, and um, so I remember we had met at a Starbucks, and so good to see Debbie, um, and I remember just kind of like the whole YWAM thing, you know, just, and that's my classic question is, what's your passion? And, you know, and I had known Michael from a distance and everything and loved his music and, and, and went to a concert when I was in high school and, you know, when he was dancing around the stage and it was like, man, you too, Michael W. Smith, you know, that was my thing back then. <laughs> but I asked, what is your passion? And he said, my passion is to release identity that this generation are son and daughters of the king. Yeah. His passion wasn't to make, write songs or preach messages or you know, become famous, his passion was to release identity to a generation. And so what I'm bringing this morning, I believe, is an alignment with the core foundation of this body. And the, the father, the, you know, Michael W. pioneering this under Papa Don. And Papa Don carries that fathering role. And it's amazing in a family, psychologists have found that fathers actually shape the identity of sons and daughters more than mothers. How your relationship is with your physical father in many ways determines how you see yourself. Insecurities, fears, shame, you know, striving that orphan mentality, got to prove myself, please my father. If you have a father that has accepted you, loved you, spoke life into you, identity into you growing up, it's amazing the level of security and confidence those sons and daughters walk in. A father's role is to release protection, to release provision, and to release identity. You see that all through scripture, you know, and that's our father's role. And I want to just, um, I feel like the Lord wants to strengthen you this morning. The word when I was asking the Lord, and I asked Jeremy, by the way, to just play a little bit, because I felt this morning's not so much, I love doing like, t I'm a teacher as, as well as a, a preacher, but I, I felt this morning, instead of doing a really sharp three-point sermon with three jokes and two stories and 
you know, a, a nice ministry time at the end. Bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy You know, that this was to be a message of impartation and just to release life. So I'm with family, and I just want to share for me my testimony perf- personally um, because my testimony is the power of God. It, it overcomes the enemy. And so I was raised uh, without having a real good picture of what a father was and a mother was. Uh, my parents... They both were raised as Catholic children, but their parents didn't know how to father them. My mom's dad was in the military and fought uh, over in the Philippines, and he was a real angry father. He was this big uh, Irish Catholic. He was called Killer Call. He was like a, a boxer, and he would just terrorize my mom. She said she would be frozen in fear when he'd get mad. And he drank his whole life and died from um, drinking too much. But, and then my dad's dad uh, grew up and hit in the depression in the States. And his dad had died when he was seven years old. So my grandfather got three paper routes and became the sole provider of his family at eight years old. And worked his whole life, made a bunch of money, but never spent it. And never was generous with his own children. He didn't know how to father So my dad grew up fatherless. My mom grew up fatherless. And they did the best they could with me, but but they both, in their brokenness, they were divorced before I can remember. And so I grew up just a wild kid with no boundaries. I used to joke, I was a wild hippie boy, which I was. My parents were hippies. And I grew up, they lived out on this road called Dead Indian Road. And... And my dad, we built the, he built this house out of old barnwood. He straightened nails himself and built this barnwood house. Took like an hour and a half for the bus to pick me up for school. And our bathroom, he dug a hole in the ground. It was like when you go to Africa and you go into the outhouses, you know, the, that was our bathroom. And, you know, I... I used to think that I was, I joke about being a hippie kid, but the reality is I had, I didn't have love. You know, a father disciplines those they love, and I didn't have discipline, and I would run wild, and I didn't, I was really lonely, and I was actually got to a point where I was really uh, suicidal, and I would sleep, I remember sleeping on edges of roofs and just daring fate that I wouldn't fall off the two-story house, and had a police record, you know, I, I, at eight years old, I was in stealing, I stole a ton of candy, so my first dental appointment, I had 18 cavities, every single tooth, and I kept stealing things till I was stealing something so big, it was like, and the, they caught me, and the police came, and they wrote it up, police record, and I ran away from home, I just was wanting to escape uh, pain and, and loneliness, and and I was just, I was ready to die. And, and then um, this kid at school reached out to me and showed me some love. And I don't know, when you're feel full of pain and someone loves you, you just, you put, reject it. I was angry. You know, pain is what anger, the root of anger is pain. And so I just was very angry kid, cussed out everyone. But I beat up this kid that tried to reach out to me. So I didn't trust him. And then he reached out to me again, and I remember pushing him down again. But in my little kid's mind, I thought, he has something I don't have. What is that? 
And at the same time, the enemy had free reign in my life. My parents were smoking drugs, uh, marijuana, and I actually, my, I joke, my bar mitzvah was getting handed the marijuana clip when I was around that nine years old with my dad's friends, and I just smoked it and, and felt like, well, I'm, I'm like my dad and his friends. So I was just, I was broken, but at that time, every night I'd go to bed, I just had nightmares, like boogeyman monsters, and I would be paralyzed in bed, couldn't sleep, and, and just wait for the morning, I'd be up all night, and this one night, this screen went blank, it was just white, and I saw this picture of this beautiful park, and it was Lithia Park in Ashland, Oregon, and, and I saw myself swinging on the swing, and it was like this picture of peace and joy, and all of a sudden, I just felt, I just saw this light, and I just felt peace. And I've never had a nightmare since that night. It was like Paul. God just crashed into my world for, for no reason except he's a good dad. And I told my mom, I saw this light and all this, and she was really into new age. And she was like, all our new age friends gathered around me. I remember them all asking me, what was the light like? And you know, this all the thing. And I remember as a little kid, you st I started analyzing life, and I, I was like, Mom, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? Because I went from being suicidal to like, what was that light? And, and I remember her saying, well, you know, all these roads, they, they, all these religions, they all lead to one. And she just gave the classic New Age answer. And I remember thinking in my little mind, my mom doesn't know. I got to find out from someone else. And this kid at my school that had reached out to me invited me to his church. And it was like a church like this. And I remember sitting in the very back. And the guy in front just read John 3.16 at the very end of the service. He said, the Father, God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And all you have to do is open your heart and ask Jesus to come in. And I was standing back there, and people started coming forward, and something stirred in my heart. Like, this is what I was looking for. And I was not going to come up. And I was so grateful. He said, you don't have to come up. You can just pray right there. And my little mind, I had this thought, I'm going to steal Jesus. Just like I thought, I, you know, stealing different things. So I did. I looked around, made sure no one was looking. And I just quickly said, Jesus, come in my heart. did I felt this thorn of pain like a, a nail just pull out of my heart that I didn't know was there and I felt this love that I had never encountered this father's unconditional love pour into my heart and that was the beginning of my transformation my dad didn't change my mom didn't change right away my circumstances didn't change but God made his dwelling in me. And his love has transformed me. I have two brothers and two sisters, and I'm still praying for that love of God to crash in, for Jesus to come and make his dwelling in them. My older brother's been in and out of prison and alcoholic and homeless his whole life. He still just got out of prison in Hawaii. 
He came to live with us for a season and just liked being homeless more than submitting to anyone, any job or any even family. So I'm still praying for him. My younger brother uh, is atheist, lives in San Francisco. I'm going to see him this next weekend. Love him, love him. But he's, he doesn't know the love of the Father yet. His wedding, uh, his wife had all her bridesmaids were drag queens, guys dressed as women in the wedding. He's lost. But this is my family. This is what I came from. My two sisters, my older sister, she's four years younger than me. She's been on and off drugs. She has four children from four different boyfriends. And two of them were fostered out and crushed me and my wife in world missions, going to reach the lost. And my own niece and nephew were fostered. And I remember being, God, why can't I take them? And it just was impossible with the travel and all the, the call we had and found out a few years later when I finally saw them uh, that they had been fostered to this Pentecostal pastor's family and they were tongue-speaking, saved sister and uh, my niece and nephew. I'm like, God, I'm just crying. Oh my gosh. But my sister still, she calls me. I get calls while I'm in Israel, even this last trip. She needs money. She needs that. It's just, there's brokenness. And then my youngest sister is just detoxing off street drugs. Both my sisters have almost died. One was in gangs in LA. But this is my family. So when I'm talking this morning on identity and who we are in Jesus and how that we live out of who we are in him, to me it's not theory. To me it's I didn't get raised in the church. I never set foot in a church until I received Jesus. My parents didn't raise me with biblical principles. And so I just want to tell you this morning, his powers made perfect in weakness. And actually this morning when I talk about who we are in Jesus, I don't want you to think, okay, I'm going to put this in my pocket as, okay, this is going to improve my life this week. This is going to be like a, a little shot in the arm for me to just keep working hard and I'm going to make it through another week or I'm going to... I'm just going to, yeah, keep loving my kids, love my wife. I'm just keep having a good, I actually want you to think, what is the impossible that God's called me to? What are the things in you that you've dreamt about who you could be in Jesus that are, that's just not within your reach? What is the destiny in this world that's impossible without God? That's what I want to speak to this morning. What's the, what's the cry that you've heard from God? You're like, oh, if I had unlimited resources, if I was, if I could be, that's my, I want to make a difference in that area. So I want, I don't believe scripture and I don't believe the life of Jesus in us is just to make, give us a better life. I believe it's to cause us to be transformative in every sphere you walk in it's resurrection power it's not just can we survive it's how can we thrive it's not just can I live it's how can I abound in every good thing having all that I need I want to raise your faith this morning Caleb and Joshua walked in a land with giants and impossibilities 
but they didn't look at their circumstances. They didn't look at the impossibility. They looked at God's word. What did God say? He said it was a land flowing milk and honey. He said it was a promised land. But we have fields we didn't plan, homes we didn't build. That's what we see. So this morning as I share, I want you to see with eyes of faith. You will never walk in what you do not believe. You might watch a movie of other people's lives and say, I wish I could be like that. I want to be like them. And that's okay to start there. But I just, there was a passage, it's just kind of a harrowing passage to me. And I'm just going to read it for a second. In Acts 19. And it just, it says, some of the Jews went around, 1913, went around driving out evil spirits, trying to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who are demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you, come out. And seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priests, were doing this. So they're doing good, trying to get demons out of people. And these are the Orthodox, religious Jews, whole family ministry. I mean, I like this guy. I like the ministry. It's like family team. And I like delivering people. But one day the evil spirit said to them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about. But who are you? Then the evil man, uh, the man with the evil spirit, jumped on them, overpowered them all, gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Sometimes we live our life like, okay, I know he does, I know Don Finto, and I know this is how he lives, and I'm gonna just copy what he does. That's not good enough to have superhero Christianity where we have these superheroes and we talk about what they talk about. We do what we hear them do. Who are you? Who are you? You're unique. Christ in you expresses himself through you creatively. You're made individually in the image of God. There's no one else in the world made like you and Jesus in you manifests himself uniquely like no one else. It's like you have this flavor, you have this, it's like we're all these tea bags, you know, we, we have unique, dried, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, I forget what tea's made out of, <laughs> leaves and, and different, you know, berries or whatever it is. You know, we all have a unique flavor. That's, that's Ephesians 2.10. We're God's poema, his, his handiwork, his masterpiece. And you add the water of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, and what you manifest is a fragrance that's like no one else. God wants the original. So I just want to challenge you this morning. You're unique. We all need you to be you. The Heidi Bakers are taken. The Bill Johnsons are taken. You carry a unique fragrance of the Messiah, fragrance of Christ. So I, another, this is a story that um, you can read about it. It's, it's one of the rabbis in the second century uh, after Jesus. And he was actually in, written, you know, quoted much in the Talmud. And, and one of the rabbis that many follow is Rabbi Akiva. And there's the story of him walking back to Capernaum. He was traveled around, but he was in northern Galilee. And he was walking, reading uh, his, his evening prayers and just the Psalms. And, you know, they, 
the rabbis will read and they're just um, the sun was going down and he's just quoting out not noticing you know where the road was turning and he passed the turn to go down to Pernium and went to the right up near a Roman garrison and he, as he's reading the sun's going down and it's getting dark and all of a sudden he gets startled this soldiers yell from the side of the road who are you and why are you here and he realized whoa I just walked up to the Roman fort to the garrison and and he and like a good rabbi he doesn't answer the question he answers the question with a question he said how much do they pay you to stand here and to ask those questions he said, four shekels a day. And Rabbi Akiva said, I'll pay you eight shekels a day. If you come to the front of my house, and every time I walk in and I come out, you ask me, who are you? And why are you here? It's the most important questions. If you know who you are, then you're going to walk in your destiny. Not who someone else is. Who are you? Who are you? Your identity will determine your destiny. And it's not what even people prophesy of you, because I've seen this many times. People will get all these encouraging prophetic words, or they heal teachings, but then they walk away, and when no one else is around, they look in the mirror and they say, man, you're just, you're weak, you're broken. You weren't raised with a strong family. You're always going to walk with a limp. You're, you're weak, and you're, you sin. You know what? You do good to start, but you always end up falling. You always fall short. Whatever you say to yourself, whatever you see yourself as, just you, that's your identity. And I've seen that, so my challenge this morning is you need to grab hold of who you are and you need to tell yourself, this is who I am. And, and for me, even when I came to Jesus, my identity was what I did. So I would feel good about myself when I was doing good and when I sinned, I would feel full of shame, full of, and I, I was an insecure Christian. I don't know if anyone can relate. And I know the Catholic Church has that whole paying penance theology. I felt like I would have to pay penance, so to speak, to get back up to being a son of God and in fellowship with the Father. And so too many of us have performance-based identities. You ask, well, who are you? You'd say, well, I was thinking about this earlier. You know, all the Texans would probably say, I'm Texan. That's a So is your identity, you know, where you were born? It's your ethnicity. It's what you do. I'm a doctor. I'm a student. I'm a wife. I'm a husband. Who are you? If we don't have our identity in Jesus, we're never going to walk in the full destiny that he has for us. This is the mystery that was kept hidden but is now revealed to you, the Gentiles. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. It's Christ in you the hope of glory you're a glorious one you're destined for glory you're destined to release glory on the earth you are a kingdom agent you're you are an ambassador of heaven a citizen of heaven and you release heaven on earth 
This is the mystery that angels long to see. It's Christ in you. It's the Messiah, the anointed one in you. And I felt this morning, this was the main thing. I just was like, God, what do you want to do at New River? He said, I want them to have encouragement from being united in Christ. Philippians 2.1, if you have any encouragement of being united in Christ. Encouragement means courage that comes in. So this morning, we're going to have a time, and I just, even now, I just praying waves of the Spirit, even just as I'm reading Scripture, you would, courage would come into you because you are one with Jesus, having the same love, fellowshipping with the Spirit. One of the examples, my favorite examples in scripture of identity and not walking, it, like my testimony is, my destiny is not based on my past. It's not based on my circumstances. Same with you. Doesn't matter what you go through really, your identity is not determined by your circumstances, good or bad. Because otherwise we get proud or we get full of shame. We're to walk as confident sons and daughters no matter what's going on around us. We are to be ones that change the atmosphere when we walk in a room. Do you know, I heard this, um, Bill Johnson said this, he said the person in the room with the most hope has the most influence in that room. I pray you get filled with hope this morning. David was one of those. David was my one of my all-time heroes where think about David what was his lot in life it said he even says I was born in sin most likely he was put out in the fields he wasn't even they wouldn't show you know Jesse wouldn't show his children David wouldn't be included when they'd have guests over there was something shameful about David most scholars believe that his dad had a illicit relationship. Even David's hair is made note of. He had different color hair most likely than all his brothers. It said it was ruddy, it was red. It was a redhead. So then the Samuel the prophet comes to anoint the king, you know, to David as king, but he doesn't come up. He's way back in the back, he's rejected. So David's whole identity was shameful. You're, you're, he he grew up a life of rejection, dishonor, And then when he got anointed, his brothers were super jealous and he had to go deliver lunch to the front lines. And you you see his brother like, what are you doing here? Get back to dad. Who do you think you are? And all of a sudden he hears the most terrifying enemy, the the strongest, you know, uh, I I was just thinking about like WWE, some big, you know, it's like, whoa, seven foot, the rock or something. And you hear Goliath despising and ridiculing all the army of Israel. And somehow, David knew who he was. Not based on his status in his family and his, this, the way he's treated by his dad, but based on his relationship with God. All his hours of worshiping and being in God's presence transformed his identity 
So I want to challenge you. You can be David's in your generation in any circumstance. What was David's response? He knew who God was. He knew who he was in God. And his response is, who is this unclean, uncircumcised Philistine? He's not scary. We're the children of God. Who are you intimidated by? What are you intimidated by? What's the strength of the world that is pressing in around you? What are the circumstances that are overwhelming? I believe this morning God wants to fill you with courage from being united with Jesus. I love some of David's words, you know. With my God, I can scale a wall. With my God, I can advance against the army. Think about David's life. He becomes king. He has to fight battle after battle. His whole life he was fighting, and so he couldn't even build the temple. God said, you have too much blood on your hands. He didn't have an easy life. He had to fight his whole life. And then he raises kids. And his son Absalom rebels against him, turns the nation against him, and usurps him. And takes all David's concubines and shames his dad publicly. And he has to run. First he runs from his first mentor. I've missed that. Saul, his first mentor, tries to kill him. Think about David's life. He had a hard knock life. Most of us don't want that life. We don't want to have to run. We don't want our mentors to turn against us in jealousy. We don't want our sons to rebel against us and try to undermine our whole reputation. That was David's life. He did not have an easy life. In our minds, it would say he had a bad life, just in world standards. What about his son Solomon? What was, Solomon never fought one battle. Because his dad kicked everyone's rear end this whole life. Solomon was most likely the most wealthy man in world history. All the wealth that came to him and all the gold that's recorded in scripture, it's billions and billions of dollars. He had, think about the world's standards, of, you know, women, cars. He had more wives and concubines than anyone that I've known. 300 wives, 700 concubines. Talk about fast cars. He had the, the horses from Egypt, the best model like Lamborghinis. I was just at the factory yesterday that saw Maserati's Lamborghini. I'm like, whoa, Williamson County, Jesus. But it'd be like having hundreds of Maseratis and Lamborghinis and Ferraris. That Solomon had the fastest horses, the chariots from Egypt. They had to build a whole thing by the temple, which is called Solomon's Horse Stables. They, they re-outfitted the temple just to fit all of Solomon's fast cars. They had a whole hill that still made, still to this day, it's nicknamed Solomon's Wives Hill. Think about his life. In the world standard, he was the creme de la creme. He had the best life. Never fought a war. Everyone around the world thought he was, he was the wisest man. God gave him supernatural wisdom. That's the kind of life the world's looking for. Not the life David lived. But let me tell you something. I want to look at the end of their lives. This is crazy. If you look at Solomon's last words, let's look at Ecclesiastes 12. 
near the end, um, verse eight. This was Solomon's last words of his life. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. He calls himself teacher. Everything is meaningless. Does that sound like a very good life? He had all the pleasure, all the success, money. But see his identity? I just was a teacher, but it's been meaningless. It says, not only was the teacher wise, he parted knowledge to the people. He pondered, searched out, said in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words. And what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, be warned, my son, of any addition to them. And then he, this is his attitude about it all. He says, of making many books, there's no end. And much study wearies the body. So he said, I did all this, and I was searching out truths and writing books, but there's no end to it. I didn't conclude anything. And actually, it made me tired. He saw himself that he had did all this work, and it never was fulfilling. And then at the end, he says, now all's been heard. Here's the conclusion. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the duty of all mankind. He and David say the same thing there. Fear God, keep his commandments. But then the next verse shows Solomon's perspective of that. He says, the reason for God will bring into every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Solomon knew the truth, but he was weary and he, it was meaningless. And at the end, he said, you better obey God and do what he commands, or else you're going to get caught. Now look at David's last words of his life. 2 Samuel 23, just the first few verses. These are the last words of David, the inspired utterance of David's son of Jesse. His identity said, I'm the son of Jesse. It's not what I do. You know, I'm a son of Jim and Chris. They're broken. They weren't perfect, but I'm their son. He said, David says, this inspired utterance of David's son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the most high, said, I was just lifted up by God. That's who I am. The man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. He's, he's saying, God just put his spirit on me and I got to sing of how awesome he was. I'm a singer. So I'm a son of a broken man. God lifted me up and anointed me and I sang songs. He didn't say, I'm a warrior. I was the baddest warrior in my day. I was the king. He didn't give his position. He didn't talk about how great he was and what he accomplished. He just said, I'm a singer, I'm a worshiper. And they said, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said, and this is the same, when one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God. So he's talking about we need to walk in, rule in righteousness and the fear of God. Similar like Solomon. But this is what he says. This is his identity. He said, that man, and I think he's looking at himself, that man's like the light of morning at the sunrise. On a cloudless morning, like brightness after the rain that brings grass from the earth. 
If my house were not right with God, surely would he not have made with me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured every part. Surely he would, would he not bring the, to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. At the end of his life, David said, God arranged and secured everything. The mess in my family, he worked it all out. And he satisfied every single desire. That's my prayer for you this morning. That you would have the identity. That you'd walk in perfect fulfillment. No matter what your circumstance, no matter what brokenness. Amen. I want to just ask if you could stand up for a second. I'm going to just read some scriptures. and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Um, I was asking the Lord, okay, what do we do about this? And the Lord just brought to my mind um, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. It talks about that we need to be renewed in the attitudes of our minds. So it all starts with how you think. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 talks about we have authority to tear down strongholds in our minds that oppose the knowledge of the Messiah. So 2 Peter 1 says we have divine power to participate in his divine nature. So I'm just going to believe right now the Holy Spirit to release divine power. So Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come. Romans 13, 14 says, clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. I just want to, in, in your mind's Right now, I just want you to picture putting on the clothes of Jesus. In the first century, identity was basically, you, you, the way you were dressed was showed who you were. And I just, some of you need to take off any wrong identity you have. Any brokenness, even any pride, any success in yourself that is what you lean on in your identity. I just want to encourage you this morning, could you let that go? Holy Spirit, I ask for you to come. Give grace right now for us to make that exchange. As Paul said, my righteousness is as filthy rags. So we just throw off even our own success, our own strength that we've built for ourselves. We do not want to be like Solomon that just achieved success, but then at the end of our life, it just is meaningless. Realize, what was that for? So we just say, in the name of Jesus, we just say, yes, Lord. We put you on. Picture like the armor of God, we put on the helmet of salvation. That my, my, some of you may want to even put your hand on your head and just, that my mind, my eyes, my ears, my mouth is, I'm covered with sozo. I am fully healed, fully delivered, fully saved. That I can have the mind of Jesus because I have the helmet of salvation. That's protecting me from every lie. And all my words are based on my full redemption we put on the breastplate of righteousness. You can put your hand in your chest. It. Where the enemy condemns and, and accuses, we just say, 
We are the righteousness of God. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word than every curse. We tell our hearts to be bold and courageous because you are covered by the blood of Jesus. You are righteous. Thank you, Jesus. You're our righteousness. Put on the, well, the, the, the belt of truth around your waist that Jesus is the truth. We walk in his truth, his reality. We are sons and daughters. That's the truth. That's our reality. And every weapon that we have is connected to this aletheia, this truth. Genuine, real. And then these feet fitted with the readiness for sharing the gospel of peace. We just say, God, in you we can go anywhere and we can do anything to bring the good news. In government, in education, in business, in entertainment, in the arts, in the church. We just say, God, we have your feet. And that that shield of faith, we have your faith. We just say yes to this words of Paul that I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we say it's by the faith of the Son of God. It's your faith. We will walk by faith. We will not fear. We won't shriek back. As Hebrews 10, 38 says, but we will live by faith. Believing what's unseen, being sure of what we hope for. So release that identity that we are called, we will walk in your faith. And the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, we just say, Lord, we grab that sword. Say, we're not weak. We're not defenseless. But we can take back what the enemy's stolen by declaring who you are and who's, who we are, who we, whose we are, but bringing your word. Lord, I pray for an impartation of Caleb's and Joshua's this morning to boldly, boldly take back what the enemy's stolen. You gave me a word that we're not to be victims, but to be victors. So I just speak that over you this morning. Victims try to just, they always are needy and just need one more thing and need. Victors are ones who advance. So I just pray. There's no longer a hospital mentality of I just need, I need, I need. But there's this shifting to say, what can I take? Give me a mountain, God. Where are those giants? I want that mountain. So I just pray release of faith in Yeshua's name. Okay, you can sit down for a second. I just want you to receive. And if you can picture this, just, I'm, I'm wrapping up with this. If you can picture this. Paul said with unveiled faces, just close your eyes and try to look. Look to the throne, look to Jesus. You don't have a veil. You're not, it's not the old covenant of works. It's the covenant of grace through Jesus. With unveiled faces, look as into a mirror upon the Lord's glory. 
and then you will be transformed into that image with ever-increasing glory through his spirit. So right now, I want you to look. If you can see him, you can become like him. Now this is where this verse is so radical because it says, look, beholding as in a mirror. What do you see when you look in a mirror? You see yourself, right? So right now, you need to see Jesus in yourself. So I want you to look at all who Jesus is. He's the shepherd. He's the king. He's the lion, the lamb. He's the humble servant. He's bold like a lion. He walks in resurrection power. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He casts out demons. He cleanses lepers. He tells the children to come to him. He's gentle, compassionate. Can you see him in you? Beholding as in a mirror the Lord's glory and being transformed into his likeness through his spirit. I want you to look at what areas are you the weakest in? What areas are you the weakest in? I want you to see Jesus in those areas in you. Some of you struggle with sin. All of us sin. But I just want you to see he's your righteousness. If it's lust, I want you to see he's purity. And you have his purity in you. So right now, this is where the rubber meets the road. I want you to declare out, this is who I am. So the areas that I mentioned earlier that are beyond you, I want you to speak over yourself. By the power of Jesus, I'm going to walk in this. Like David said, with my God, I can do valiantly. So I want you to, I see some of you have dreams, and it takes a couple million, a few million to accomplish that. I want you to say, I have all that I need. His grace is sufficient for me. Some of you, as fathers, feel weak and broken and don't know how to be a father. I want you to declare the God of all comfort, the Father is in me. You know, Jesus, when they asked, well, show us the Father. He said, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So all the power to be a father is in you, in Jesus. To be a husband So I want you to declare it out. Do you see yourself as walking as Jesus? Paul says, in this world, we are as he was. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Heidi Baker prayed this prayer. She said, help me see, Lord, that I am only fully me when I allow you to be fully you in me. So, Lord, we just say together, we are only fully ourselves when we allow you to be fully you in us. In Jesus' name. So thankful for um, this chance. In fact, God, would you just say thank you to Todd? Just say thank you to him. Just let him know.
probably just need to hug him. I don't know. I just uh, it says you got something imparted to you. It's so powerful. Um, our, the prayer is, uh, as he said earlier, is more than just a truth that we hear on a Sunday morning, but there's something we're living out of. So to, I, maybe the best way to put this is have an expectation when you open your eyes Monday morning, the Son of God is there ready to impart to you, to speak life over you, over every moment and every, over every turn, over every issue or problem. He's just right there. And that we would walk in that um, because it's who we are. Carriers of the creator of the universe. Come on. Um, in the back, you're going to have an opportunity to hear more about um, Caleb Company, their ministry. And uh, they have uh, an opportunity. Their ministry is actually to we're asking God to open up the eyes of Israel, open up the eyes of the Jewish people to know Jesus as Savior. And the promise from the Bible is this, that when they do, the world's going to blow up for Jesus. That's the, and that's the promise. So that's what this ministry is about. It's actually a global ministry starting uh, with the hearts of God's people in Israel. So if you want to know more about that, they have a table at the back. Uh, Don's book back there, your people should be my people. If you don't even understand like that, like what's Israel and you know, how does that work? Just read the book. It'll tell you everything. So the book's back there. You can get it. Uh, they have a, a tour that you can be a part of next spring. They have a training school that you can uh, just be equipped in. It's, it's, it's t- all this identity, all this stuff, plus uh, God's global purposes. So if you want to be, if you have any information about that, it's all back there. I want you to be able to, those guys will be back there, Jesse and, and, and Lauren and, and, uh, and Judah and Mindy. They're, they're part of our church family here. They're part of Caleb Company. They'll be back there. So uh, I'm gonna, just going to pray over so we're going to go. We're a little bit over. Um, so, but you can blame, blame Todd. So um, I'm just going to, um, Father, we re- may we receive every word. In fact, just, just actually even just declare it. Every word that was just spoken, I receive it and I'm walking in it. I'm carrying it because you're in me and you're with me. You never leave and you never forsake. So I'm never without the truth. We thank you for that. We love you and bless you in your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Bless you so much. We'll see you tonight. Let's pray together. Bye-bye.